Welcome to Ring and Steel Podcast. I am Patrick, one of your hosts. I have with me today, I have Mike Hall, and we also have a guest today, Kelly Sayer. Am I saying that correctly, Kelly? You are. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our, what is this now, Mike, our fifth or sixth episode? I believe this is our fifth episode. All right. I do know we had the split episode last week with... Derek Darwin from Midland Armory out in Foley. Um, if you do want to have uh, some information on that and you haven't listened to it yet, go ahead. He go- goes through a bunch of NFA items. was split into two, so you'll have to get the both episodes to get that one. Um, but w- who we are, we are Ring and Steel Podcast. We are here to promote firearm safety training, bring you industry news, support local businesses such as shooting, shooting clubs, etc., and also just situational awareness, which we are going to get into today. So, Mike, what have you been up to since your last show? Um, I haven't been up to much with the shooting stuff lately. I've been pretty tied up. Uh, as you know, Black Market Coatings, we are building a new shop, and that is obviously as every construction pro- progr- project goes, it is behind schedule. Um, so we should be pouring concrete in the next week or so. So once that's done, it should start getting a little quicker with progress. Um uh, for us, with my kids, uh, fishing season started. We do a uh, fishing club where it's all for the kids. Uh, we Line up on your mic a little bit more. There you go. Is that better? That's better. There we go. New mics. Got to get used to this stuff here. So, yeah, so the kids, uh, we meet every other Wednesday. We go up to a different lake. We have a different fish species that's a target. Uh, the kids get to do, uh, what is it? They do, uh, first, second, and third prize, uh, biggest fish, uh, first, uh, first meet we did, Eagle Lake was crappie. It's never been a lake that I catch big fish on, but we can always catch a lot of, uh, quantity there. But we did hammer a couple 10 and three quarter, 10 and a half inch crappie, which was pretty good. My, uh, both my daughters got first and second place, so they were, they were happy with that. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we've got another one for largemouth bass, Spectacle Lake, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and then tomorrow, since we had, uh, Adams on from, uh, tactical carry, we're having a carry permit class at our house tomorrow. And then we'll be going to the gun range to get our, uh, shooting finished with that. So finally getting my wife to get her carry permit. Uh, she doesn't intend to carry yet, but I know this is going to change. Um, once she gets comfortable with some of the stuff, uh, she does shoot occasionally with me, not as much as we used to before we had kids. But I'm working on her mindset, and that is part of why we have Kelly in today. Uh, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Patrick, though, and tell us about your big news. Well, I did uh, this week take delivery of my brand new boat, which is amazing, because I've been waiting for six weeks to get it. It's been a patiently waiting six No, it week, has right? not been patient. <laughs> not at all. I, I annoyed the guys down at Westry Marine constantly. Yeah, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? No, 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 no. Hey, it's in. Great. Uh, went and picked it up. First night I had it. Took it out on the lake. We went out to Watab out in St. Joe, all by St. Joe. Um, cause I had break-in period. So it's the first hour I had to drive it with 2000 or less RPMs on the motor. Down the lake, up the lake, down the lake, up the lake. And it was a windy night. It really was a windy night. So it was not the most fun time. And my son, looks at me, well, maybe you should have got the bigger boat with the bigger motor on it. 
<laughs> and I looked at my girlfriend and I said, what time is it? And she, she's like, oh, it's 8.15. Well, we've been out here for an hour and a half. I can open it up now. And I opened it up and he sat there like white knuckling anything he could get a hold of. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Yeah, it, it's fast enough for us. Now, that being said, when I came off the lake with my brand new boat that I had delivered three hours earlier, I had a really nice conversation with the uh, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources officer. <laughs> oh no. Just figures, real nice guy, where your, you know, where your temp tags, everything else. We got everything worked out, but he was more worried just make sure I had my life preservers, I had my horn, I had the fire extinguisher, all that stuff. Again, you know, a lot of people have interactions with uh, uh, conservation officers, and they always complain. And, oh, why are they bothering me? You know, ultimately, these guys are just doing their job. And if you can treat them with respect and you're not doing anything wrong, normally they're going to treat you with that same level of respect. And you won't have the problems that a lot of other people do. It's when you start getting that attitude that you start getting, you know, issues with conservation officers or police officers. If if you can, you know, talk to them like a normal human being, you're usually better off. So I did that. Last night went out fishing, caught myself a one-inch bluegill. Yeah, yeah, I had to feel good. Yeah, yeah, one inch. Yeah, the picture actually makes it look bigger than it actually was. You did the hold it out real yes, far. Yes, I did. Get the I good absolutely angle did. on the camera. Yep. This thing's a monster. But I, I, I did catch a few other keeper bluegills we had a good time but you know threw them back we didn't have a meal so it was no big deal but we had a good night it was our first night out fishing and i didn't get skunked so i am happy (laughs) there you go so i'll let you introduce our guest today mike a little bit more and get that rolling all right like patrick said earlier we have kelly sayer in from the diamond arrow group uh i've got a little intro bio from kelly here uh kelly sayer is someone who believes that all women can learn how to be more situationally aware to keep themselves and their loved ones safe she took self-defense classes firearm safety courses and browsed all the tools marketed to women for them to carry on their person for protection but what she couldn't find was someone talking to women about how to spot a potentially dangerous situation before it happened that's where her company, the Diamond Arrow Group, was born. Kelly's a wife, mother, sister, daughter, and a friend. In other words, she understands that women deal with every day. Her mission is to help women build their confidence so they can move forward and live life on their own terms. So I'm going to start out. Uh, what is the Diamond Arrow Group and what do you do? Well, the Diamond Arrow Group is kind of, and again, first, I guess, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for inviting me in. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. This discussion is is very well needed. So if I can kind of be the conduit between some of the concerns women have and kind of the 2A conversation or the firearm conversation, that's awesome. So Diamond Arrow Group, kind of in my bio, it, it came from a lack of being able to find the information for myself. I've always been kind of a Jason Bourne, James Bond nerd. I thought it was fascinating to be able to read people, to know what they were thinking or what they were going to do before they did it. And and so, but I never really applied it to real life scenarios. And then as, as I started taking those classes and getting more interested in self-defense, they would always do talk about the physical aspect. How do you block? How do you hit? This is what you want to do. This is what you don't want to do. And then at the end of the class, they would say, okay, but you want to avoid a physical confrontation, if at all possible. You need to be more situationally aware. But they wouldn't tell us, well, what am I looking for? How will I know? What are the different signs? What is that? 
And so really, it, because there wasn't anything out there geared towards civilians, especially women, I started studying all of the, the law enforcement and military tactical trainings that I could find and books and interviewing people and asking my questions and started saying, okay, how can I make this relate to women and what they experience every day? And so that's what Diamond Arrow Group does is classes, training, speaking engagements, um, geared towards women. Obviously, I can speak to men, too, because you guys mentioned situational <laughs> <Here we> awareness. <laughs> right. Situational awareness is something we all need. And I really am excited by all the opportunity to get out there and create because, again, there isn't something that's real formal that's out there that's saying, okay, how can I speak to you, especially from a woman? You know, and I think it's two-sided. we got men that we think we know everything. We think we can handle every situation. <laughs> hey, I see you. <laughs> I don't have to don't, laugh don't at that one. Don't say that while I'm having a... So, but then you have women that are just as capable. They don't have that self-confidence or... Arrogance is the, probably the wrong word, but, you know, men are arrogant about things. There we go. little mic for it. A little... Muffle for the mic. Pop filter. filter. There we go. So, but like you said, speaking to men and women, it seems like it's a different approach. It's one we've got to dial the men back and get them to understand it. Women, we've got to give them the courage and the tools to know how to do it. So, but yeah. Um, so, what is your background? I, I know you talked a little bit about some of what you're into and stuff like that. Uh, where did you come from? <laughs> So I grew up um, down in southern Minnesota, was where I was born, and then we moved up to central Minnesota outside of the St. Cloud area, Rockville, and uh, went to Recorey. Um, couldn't wait to get the heck out of Dodge, and moved, went to school in Wisconsin, and I spent a summer in South Carolina. Uh, I had signed up for the National Guard, so I spent the summer after my senior year at boot camp in South Carolina, Fort Jackson, which... South Carolina in the dead of summer was, I say that ruined me for being able to handle the cold of Minnesota winters for the rest of my life. Um, and then I moved back. Um, long story short, but unfortunately had to take a general discharge out of the National Guard due to some issues, like physical issues. And so then I was like, now what am I going to do? And I moved to Southern California with my best friend for a few years. I'm but sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I moved to Southern California. That country's messed up. Oh, but you know what? I love it. I have to say I love it because it's, I love the ocean. I love the heat um, and just so many different people. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I miss it all the time. Texas has those too. I know. I know. I haven't, I haven't lived in Texas. So no, that, that would be like if I could retire. Anywhere, well, Arizona has the heat and the sand. There's no ocean. We just don't on. have an ocean. <laughs> And so, um, but, you know, started, all my family is still in central Minnesota, so I moved back and met my husband, now, now husband, and so put down roots here. And, but again, my husband ha is law enforcement. He's got a military background. He was in the military for 21 years. So our dinner conversations are probably a lot different than most <laughs> if we're talking about different crimes or different violence situations or how do you handle this? Like I can go to him and ask all my questions. I, I'm sure right now, especially with the goings on around the country, a lot of those conversations are, revolve around just the goings on of, okay, there's a lot of, you know, 
unrest, we'll say, mm-hmm. in different cities across the nation and how you deal with those and how you are, you know, I'm sure you go in your training, you're going to, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but if you're stuck in a situation where something like that starts up and you're there, how to identify and how to de-escalate yourself out of that situation. Right. Yep. And things that you need to prepare to have ready to go, because in, in a crisis moment is not the time to start going, where did I put the first aid kit? Oh, if I have to go and get somewhere safe, leave our house, where is that plan B location? What do I need to throw in a go bag? What, you know, is my car full of gas? There's all these different layers and, and things that you need to think about. And again, that is not the time to be asking my spouse, who's probably at work responding to the, the chaos for him to, for me to be like, excuse me, excuse me. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Like taking that responsibility, that person, which I think a lot of situational awareness is, is personal responsibility for your safety. I agree. So I want to jump into some questions here and obviously everyone's going to have a little conversation following it. Um, I do know we've had a couple conversations, so I don't know you, but I know a little bit about you. I know some of what you're into. Um, and you've, I know you've given me some good recommendations and part of some of the recommendations you've given me have what have spawned into us finally launching our podcast. But what is your favorite podcast you're listening to right now? You mean besides Ring and Steel, Obviously, right? obviously, yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, got it. No, I would have to say the Mic Drop podcast. I, there's a lot of different podcasts that I listen to. There's Glambition. That's all about women in business. There's the Arms Room, um, Jocko's podcast. But the one that I can honestly say I've listened to every episode and I wait for the next episode is Mike Drop. Yeah. Because he talks about a variety of different topics and he's curious. He's not judgmental. He really, he asks his guests what they think and he, it's a very, um, deep and uncensored podcast. Very uncensored. But <laughs> yes, he, not, not family friendly. That you, is for sure. You you did get me on that one, and I was curious if that was going to be at um, his last episode. Uh, the one know, that released on Monday. Yeah, I haven't list, finished listening to all of it. I, I won't so stop. I, I won't <laughs> spoil it for you, but he he goes into everything I listen to him. He goes into everything very open minded. Um, yes. always willing to listen to both sides and form an opinion based off the conversation. He does seem to not go in with this driven opinion that he can't shift or change or listen to other opinions on. Uh, I, I do like his show, uh, and I do appreciate you putting me on that one. Uh, and yeah, he covers everything from physical fitness to health to you know, carrying firearms to military stories and, you know, people like me that w- didn't take the opportunity to do military. I love military stories. I love war stories. Uh, it, I have Patrick here. I know he was in the military. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, like the show. Um, one question I just came up with as we're talking here. Um, what is your EDC or everyday carry kit look like? What, what are you, uh, what are common things you have with you every day? I, I was wondering if you were going to ask that question, and I was going to say, "Well, here, let's let's do an honest, open. Here's my my purse. What I all it's have in the it. truck, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So let's see. And now little this is bag dump here for the right. So I have a an air horn. It's really loud. 
That's a great idea. One. That's one thing I don't see people doing. But here's the thing. It was a Mace product. They mm-hmm. stopped making it. Oh, okay. I'm so mad because I'm like, do you realize for women, this basically sounds like an an honest-to-goodness air horn, and this is no bigger than a tube of mascara. Looking Not that the, guys would know what Looking size. at the size of that. It's it like is, a big glue stick. Well, yeah, it's so They loud. have those in the marine departments, uh, Walmarts even. They, they may have a little horn on the end, right. but about the same size. You can get little air can horns just like that. And and we'll probably get into it later, but the reason I like this is if my kids get a hold of it, they can't do anything except hurt their ears for a few minutes. Right. Uh, or And me. So I really like that. I do have mace. Tactical light there, yes, I see. tactical light. I have a hair stay, which... Um, how would you describe this? So if I put my hair up in, say, a bun or a ponytail, I can stick it in, mm-hmm. and it's it's really that's, basically it's a stabby tool. Yeah, it's it's, it's a non-permissive environment stabby tool. That's like, good because when I first saw it come out of the bag, I thought it was a nail file. I was wondering where we were going with that. <laughs> no, it, it, it is a laminated. I would say almost like a fiberglass plastic. It's very very rigid. rigid. Very rigid. That's nice. And a nice point on the end. Yeah, um, the maker of that product sent me a video of him stabbing it through two stakes. Like, it, it'll go through, and even oh, if you have a work. layer of gene, he put a layer of gene over the stake, and it doesn't puncture the gene, but it'll still go well, through. Well, that's going to leave a bruise. I mean, that's going to yes. stop somebody. You you inflict that much point load pain. Yeah. So. Yep. And if you're going for soft tissue areas, the neck, the eyes, it's going to do yeah. its job. Um, so then I have a smaller tactical flashlight. So this is... A thousand lumens. That's three hundred lumens, and that fits in the palm of my hand. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That is my recommended for anyone because it's a flashlight. So yep. it's a multi-purpose tool. Uh, criminals, predators don't want to be seen. So if you're walking back to your car, have the flashlight on. You can be clearing. You can be looking to make sure. And if they see a flashlight coming, usually security or cops right. are the only ones that have that. They're not going to stick around to see who you are. And it's got a beveled edge. It's very heavy duty. And yeah. so if I need to, I'm going to take that beveled edge to their you, face. You do a nice hammer strike with that. Oh, you're gonna exactly. Right on the forearm. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is my tactic key. So this is basically when they say put your keys, keys between, between your, your fingers. fingers. This is not my most favorite tool um, because, I, like, as you can see, I wear a ring on my middle finger. So it's kind of cumbersome. Cumbersome. And I don't want to get this close. Yeah. Right. Like, and this, this is it's only about an inch maybe. And so it's not quite enough to do debilitating damage. Right. It's no. almost like poking the bear. damage. Yes, which could just in more anger. Infuriate yes. the next, the attacker. And then I do in my zipper, do have a flip knife. Nice. So. Okay. And that's more for, in this, you know, I look at it as more almost for car accidents. I've got the ability to break a glass. I've so you got cut. a seat, you got a seatbelt cutter on there. You've yes. got a glass shatterer, and then you have a halfway decent. Oh, that's a nice open. Yeah, nice open blade. So it, this is more of a tool. You come across an accident, extract someone out of the car if you need to, right? Or, because or extract honestly, yourself if you needed to. Yes, and honestly, this is not. I'm not. If if I'm being attacked, I'm not going to be like, hold on, let me get this out of the zipper and out of its package, and, and right. I think do that's all that. the biggest thing with a lot of these go bags is you need to have that thought process behind it. Of yes, it can look all pretty and be in you know for a guy a go bag or for a woman her purse or something like that. But it needs to be accessible. It can't be something that you're going to dig for and, oh, I need to get this. Hold on. There, There is no hold on when you have someone coming at you. 
And I did a video because a lot of times with the mace spray, people are like, ah, uh, I don't want it to spray it in my face. I, I'm scared. You're going to get like? it in your face. Well, and that's where I'm, but you go and you look on their websites and it's interesting. You look at the reviews. It's mostly men saying, I bought it for my wife, girlfriend, daughter. It's not coming from the women. And then the videos are just spraying to show how far the stream right. sprays or whether it's a mist or a gel consistency. Mm-hmm. So I did a video showing, okay, but if you don't have it in your hand <coughs> when you're walking, and so did two scenarios with my husband playing the attacker of him coming up behind me and, and me trying to dig in my purse to get it out of the bottom of my purse. And I right. even said, you know, when I go out, I have a different purse that's more open. There's very few things in it. So there's not a lot for me to try and dig fumble in, with. fumble with, and I still couldn't do it. But whereas if I'm walking and it's in my pocket and my hand, then it's right there. And that's another thing, too, is people are like, okay, well, what if you don't have a big purse? What if it's you don't have a jacket because it's finally warm in Minnesota? Okay, well, then that's where you say I'm getting out of my car. I'm in a transition area from my car to my apartment building, from my car to the store, the store back, is that's when you take a moment, pause, put it in your hand, and walk or do whatever. And so it's that, okay, you know, bring me your questions. What are you, what, what, what's your stopping? Why don't you do it? And then let's work through it. Uh, a few years ago, when, when my wife and I were dating and getting married, uh, I put her through a uh, self-defense course at a firearms institute in Arizona that I frequented. And they recommended, you know, a mace stick. And at the time, they had it, and I haven't seen them since then. It was about a 3-8 inch diameter aluminum shaft with push button on the end, and it looped right on your keychain. It was, I believe, about 6-7 inches long, and it was a multi-purpose tool. It was mace, you had your defensive stick, your jabbing, you know, your your support for your hand for punching and stuff like that. Um, she carried it up until we lost her keys in the sand dunes. I was about <laughs> to say, we used to have things like that attached to keys in the military. So that the idiots wouldn't lose the keys. Oh, no. You can still put it in your pocket. Because oh, it's stuck out all the time. We found out you can lose them. And when you lose something in the world's biggest sand, or America's biggest sandbox in the sand dunes of California, it's gone. Right. <laughs> that Ford car keys with the chip, well, that was about a $500 lost yeah. key Ouch. ring. Yeah. So, um, so moving on. I look over there and I see you've got a stack of them. Uh, yes. Recommended books to read. I know you've put me on The Law of Self-Defense, which is probably my favorite book right now. I've read through it once, and because I'm kind of slow, I'm reading through it a second time. Um, this time with a highlighter, and I'm putting some little page tab notes on it for different things. Uh, but uh, what do you have here with you today, and what do you recommend people read and Well, uh, in general, I think if you're going to do any self-defense classes, if you're going to take any firearms courses, you need to understand the laws of self-defense and understand that they're different in each state. And I don't know, when I bought my copy, I also ordered the Minnesota uh, particular DVD. Mm -hmm. I don't, did that come in a package when you got yours? No, I didn't get the state specific. Uh, I got the book and I think it was it was through your link where i think i just paid shipping and handling thanks very much for that that was handy <laughs> which he runs out all the time i right. sent i get the email once every two months and i send it to anybody i don't know if anybody's bought it off me but or because of my recommendation but right so and and you you know you said there is so much good information and in the book he has to cover more general because it's all 50 states so that's why i highly recommend whatever state you live in get the supplement because he does in the dvd he's strictly talking about minnesota he's breaking it down specific he's pulling out minnesota case law he's pulling out examples so it's really good um in that sense 
And then I have Facing Violence by Rory Miller. I have Creepology by Anna Valdeseri. And then Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And I have probably 50 books at home. So when I was trying to figure out which ones I was going to bring, I said, okay, if you only bought a handful of books, what would I want people to read? And the Facing Violence, uh, Rory Miller, I've had the opportunity to train with him um, last fall at the Violence Dynamics course. And he is just a wealth of knowledge breaking down social violence, asocial violence. He was a correctionals officer. Um, he really goes into all of the different aspects of the violent behavior and adrenaline and how our bodies respond to that and how criminals, you know, the different things to watch for. So it's a really good book. Uh, Creepology. Creepology and Anna. I recommend this for guys and gals because she goes into creepers. Yeah. Stalkers. When we say, oh, he just creeps me out, it's so hard to quantify. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean that he's creeping you out? Well, it's this, this, and this. And what's a big thing that comes in her book that I think all guys could learn from is when women say, I just get a creepy feeling. We can't always explain it because our subconscious is taking in that information and our intuition isn't exactly telling us how we know. We just know. And if you're not the target of the creeper's behaviors, then you don't see it. I've had plenty of conversations in colleagues in past industries that I worked where it was known, like all the women knew when Bob has too many drinks at happy hour during the networking event, then stay away. Yeah. And guys had no clue. They were like, really? And we're like, yeah. I, I think well, Bob doesn't hit ways. on me at the uh, right. end. <laughs> but I, I think it goes both ways because I've run into situations and just recently with one of my neighbors who, when I met him, I'm like, there's something odd and there's something off. I don't like him. And I come to find out that he was four times spousal abuse. He had six charges of felony stalking. And everyone's like, oh, I thought he was a really nice guy. I'm like, no, those are the kind of guys that can put on that shell. Yes. And some people will pick up, other people won't, but I'm sure that book goes into that of trying to identify where that person is picking up on these different cues of what that shell is it's, and it, that mask. That it, yeah, up. it's part of their technique. It's part of their um, protocols or is because they will target someone. They will, they will, they will try, they will test everyone's boundaries to see who is going to be the most likely their, their target, who can be their, the, the best victim. And then they're going to do everything in their power to be nice and manipulate everyone else. It's like the gaslighting because then that target, that victim is going, I must be crazy because nobody else thinks Bob is crazy. Nobody else is creeped out because they're so good at then making their victim feel like they're crazy. They're losing their mind. Um, And so it's just, and it's, you can see it's not a very thick book. It's a pretty easy read. And I have tons of tabs. Yeah, you do. (laughs) From reading it. And then Gift of Fear, uh, Gavin DeBecker, it's, it's in the industry, it's kind of the foundational book to really, it was, I, I don't want to know, I don't know for sure if it was the first, but it's got to be one of the first that was written specifically about situational awareness for women. And, but he wrote it in 98. So I always caveat say, this was when Mark Zuckerberg was in diapers, <laughs> you know, like this is before Facebook, this is before social media was huge. So keep that in mind is that these are really good. And when you think about social media, cyber stalking, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, when we're done with recording, we're actually going to 
take a picture of those books and we'll put it on the uh, Facebook page so everybody can get the names and authors so they can look those up and find them. And well, maybe so we'll put a list of any additional reads together. Yeah, and and a link to the Diamond Arrow group. Yeah, that's going to be there. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. It, you know, I was going to say maybe it's there already, but I know I haven't. I have been extremely busy. It was all I could do to get our show notes out on time this week. <laughs> um, you know... Mike's locking up here, so I'm going to run with this a little bit. Oh, yeah, I'll let you take, well, I, my my brain's going two different Did ways. Did your battery on, die in your head? Yeah, no, just my cars today. Um, I, I've just got my brain's going everywhere because right. so much information. Um, no, but I, I want I do want you to take over no, for a I was few minutes, Patrick. Bring up a, a, a current situation with one of my friends, and I I'll go off of what I said, and right. then I'm going to let you respond. Okay. So one of my friends out in Colorado, she has an ex. That she has broken up with because he has alcohol problems, he has abuse problems, a bunch of stuff. And he is now texting and using the social media to get back at her and started threatening her and her son of, if you don't get back with me, I'm going to call the police and say your son is planning to bomb his high school kind of thing or shoot up his high school. Just to create that fear Mm -hmm. in her that, okay, then she'll take me back, which stalking I never understood that how long does a guy pursue with gets told no and no and no, but if I keep showing upside your window, who in their right mind at one point in time went, you know what? That's yeah. a good tactic. Right. But she, it got to the point where he started leaving notes on her Jeep at her job. And I told her, I'm like, you need to call the police now. You need to get the protection order filed. He's threatened her with firearms and other people. I'm like, it's Colorado. I hate the law, but you need to red flag him. Because that's what that law is designed to do. And she just won't do anything. She's like, I don't want to ruin his life. I'm like, no, this she, is him doing her it. life. This is him doing it to himself. You have made it very clear and you just have to move on. He needs to move on. But if he can't get that, other people need to help him with that process. And, you know, she keeps going back and forth on it. No, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, I'm going to stop putting in my input at this point. You know, when when I lived there and I was with her was when Jessica Ridgway abduction happened in Colorado. So she was on her way to school. Some guy grabbed her from the bus stop and they ended up finding her body dismembered outside the town. And the uh, person who did it, because he has been convicted and admitted to it, kept her decapitated head in the crawl space. Oh, my gosh. That happened three blocks away from where we lived. At that point in time, she was very anti-gun. Very anti-gun. She had the, a... The same friend that you're talking same about? Same friend. Mm-hmm. She had, at that time, I think he was 12 or 13-year-old, and she was the same age, roughly, and she looked at me and she goes, you've been an instructor? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you've been around guns all your life? Yeah. She goes, can you help me get a gun? Yep. And I'll train you how to use it. And we did that, and she has become a very big proponent of that because she looked at it and goes... If someone did that, what would I be able to do? She goes, I'd be helpless. So there's a lot of that, and I think there is a very big need for a place like Diamond Arrow to be able to turn around and go, okay, this is what you need to look for. When you see the same car drive by your house six times, and the sixth time they shut their lights off and slow roll you, you might want to pay attention to that. You might want to call it in. Mm -hmm. Not just, oh, it's just so-and-so. no. No, you don't right. know what so-and-so is going to do later on or what they're planning or what they're thinking. I completely agree. And um, the advice to your friend was right on. Um, I would definitely be documenting. You know, a lot of times when they're sending messages, then you have that proof. But the leaving notes on the car 
what day because all of a sudden you're starting to create a pattern. And even for herself, when she starts documenting and, and going, oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is not right. This is not a normal behavior. Um, and I would even say I'll talk to her one-on-one -on -one because again, a lot of times women have that default. Well, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be judgmental. And if they had a previous relationship, then it, there's just all of a sudden there's, a different dynamic versus a stranger. And so you're, Oh, he would never do something in him. And I will have that heart to heart and say, I can go case by case by story by story where that didn't pan out the way right. they wanted to. And again, this is not your fault. You didn't do anything to encourage this behavior of stalking. You know, I should, well, I take that back. You need to point blank cut him off. You need to block him. Mm -hmm. You need to report him to Facebook. You need to not respond to texts. And that goes in that creepology. Mm -hmm. It talks about what the stalkers feed off of. And that interaction, when you finally go, enough, don't text me anymore. Well, guess what? You just texted him. And so it's that, no, hard stop. Do not. And talk to police. Because again, you know, talking about my husband with law enforcement, and you talk about the car going past your house six times, my husband's like, call it in. There's always a non-emergency number. And even if not, call 911 because we would much rather have it turn out to be nothing than to come and be taking a victim statement. Back back to what was going on with my neighborhood with the individual. Um, she ended up kicking him out and came to me and told me what had been going on, that he wasn't a nice guy. She didn't go into details. I went and looked those up on my own because, well, I'm nosy like that. I'm the nosy neighbor. But he was driving by three to four times a day. And she said, if you see him, call him in. So I just started calling him in. To the point, the officers in Wake Park know me very well now. And they just did the, which way did he go that way? Which way did he go that way? Well, because I had done that, and my other neighbors that had also done that, had such a time of this much, this many calls, this many cases, that they built a case and actually nailed him for felony stalking. And put him behind bars, at least for some time. And it was, you know, a little bit when he came up, he, you know, the cops like, ah, I didn't get him. He goes, I wish I would have, but they got him at work because they just f served his felony, his felony warrant at work. The sheriffs did. He goes, but thanks for calling it in because without you guys calling it in and all of us, even though it was different officers, being able to compile all those cases, we would have never had the evidence to go after him. And that's what a lot of people say is, well, they never do anything, anything. Anyway, he called it in once. Sorry, you need to call this in every time it happens so that you can build that case. It's not just a one-time thing. You're not just being that vindictive whatever, man or woman. Mm -hmm. And and keeping in mind, this is, then becomes part of a, a record. So, you know, record of contact, a record of behavior. And so even if they move, nothing happens to you and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, he was creepy for a while, but he moved to another state. Who's saying he's not going to continue that behavior somewhere else and so again when somebody they can they can go back and show well this is this isn't something he just started doing this is a pattern of behavior this is and so it's so important to have all of that documented it's so important to be able to because you never know when it's that one tipping point of the clue that that helps people go oh okay yeah right so i guess mike's next question that he's got on here is what what do you've got for moms with kids and carrying firearms you know, this is a big deal for me. Uh, you know, we've had the conversation with my wife uh, when you guys were over the other week. 
she goes into situations. She comes home, tells me about, oh, this guy kind of creeping me out, and she's got three kids she's wrangling. I said, you, you need to be carrying. You need to have defense tools. You need to have this or that. But she she doesn't want the. She calls it the inconvenience or concern. Well, that gun's gonna get taken from me and used on me. Yes, that's a possibility. My gun could get taken from me and used on me. By that point, I'm probably already done, anyways. But you know, how do you transition a woman, a mother? into getting comfortable with that, uh, training for that, getting the mental state set up for that. This is a conversation that has so many layers. Um, I had done a post on Diamondero Group social media pages saying, hey, ladies, I'm going to be going on this podcast. This is our subject. If there's specific questions you want me to ask, um, message me or comment. And one of the comments that did come through was, hey, I'm a mom. I've heard stories of kids reaching into the purse, pulling the trigger, or just taking it out of the purse. How how do how do I combat that? Um, I also had somebody say again, I'm curious. I've shot, you know, long guns. I hunt, but handguns are a different animal. It, it they intimidate me, and I completely understand that. That was, you know, coming from my boot camp experience. I was much more comfortable. My my dad wasn't a hunter. We didn't have firearms in the house, but. Um, coming from that, I was much more comfortable with a, a rifle than I was a handgun. And I had to get over that. I had to go and take classes. Um, Deltone many years ago had a first shot class that mm -hmm. specifically towards women, we could come and we could shoot all different firearms. And so I went and did that. And, and again, it's that repetition. It's, it's the training. Um, and so we can sit here and say, okay, Ladies, go get training. Go to an indoor range. Shoot all different types of handguns. You know, um, understand what a conceal and carry permit is. I highly recommend getting a conceal and you know carry permit because there is some process to that, and you don't have to like carry then if you have it every day, but you have it already. And right. we saw that a lot where people all of a sudden realized, wait, I can't just go buy a handgun. I can't just go buy, right. you know, get my conceal. No, there's a process. You know, and so um, I, I always say, even if you have firearms in the house, go get it. If you have uh, yeah. anywhere, go get it so you have it. Um, but so we can talk all day about what they can do and what we need to address is their fears. Yeah. A lot of women say, well, I already have a hard time when I talk. Well, why won't you take a self-defense class? Well, I don't have time. You know, I am running the house, managing the kids, and especially with COVID homeschooling, um, and the thought of just going to the bathroom by myself is glorious for five minutes. <laughs> That's don't, all I hear about when I get Don't worry, home. the dog and the cat will join you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And and so even to get women to take, you know, there's a big self-care thing. And what does self-care look like? And I am not someone who can sit still. So self-care to me is not meditating because that actually just makes me more anxious because I'm like, I should be doing something. Um but again, that, okay, doing that and making it comfortable and not pushing. Like, you know, the more you push somebody to do something, the more they kind of fight back against it because if they're not ready. Um, and that kind of comes into that whole conversation of, like, I want my my spouse to carry. I want my wife to carry. And it's like, okay, well, first, just ask her if she wants to just go shoot for fun, yeah. you know. And, and you talked about you and your wife got to do that before kids. And that's exactly it's, gosh, if I finally get a night to myself. I just want to sleep. Yes. You know? Um, and, and so, but I think having this conversation over and over again, it opens it up. I've even felt like for me having these conversations more and more women are like, Oh, okay. 
and there's again in women's minds a preconceived notion either you are this really like G.I. Jane <laughs> woman right, right. that you know is is you know special forces and you can shoot every firearm or you're not and so and I kind of used the analogy with Patrick earlier is a lot of times with firearms I would say it's like having someone who's used to driving a VW bug a small car and There's then saying, wrong with bug. Oh no, I'm <laughs> not saying you just. just it's you, know, like, you know their batteries usually last. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's it's a stick, so I could have push started it. Right, anyways. right. There you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you go from a VW Bug, small quick car, and then saying, okay, now go parallel park a suburban. You yeah. know, there's it's just such a big jump, and and so it's talking. And again, a lot of times those instructors are male. A lot of times they have like this special force or they've, they're very alpha type males, which are very intimidating. Yeah. And so you're going and going, ah, I don't want to feel stupid. They're going to make me feel stupid. So they, before they even get a chance to get to know them, they're not going in. For me, it's really hard to shoot with my husband because he's, it's my husband. So he's like, what the heck are you aiming at? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm aiming through the sights. But then when I would go and work with other individuals, other trainers, they're not my husband, so they're, you know, there's no other drama, underlying drama that, oh, we just had an argument this morning about who was supposed to do something that didn't get done. It's, okay, what are you doing? Okay, well, you're pulling the trigger. When you pull, you know, your finger's too far into the trigger, so you're pulling the, the firearm, and that's why it's doing this and that. And, again, it's, but I think the more we talk about it, women are going to be like, oh, it's okay to be a mom, be feminine, and be comfortable carrying a firearm. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you on that. And, you know, then we can get into women's clothing doesn't usually allow for no, it carrying without print. But I, like I, I said, there was something I was going to interject right here because of just handguns in general with women carrying. I used to sell handguns. I worked at a gun counter in Colorado selling guns, and I had a lot of first-time gun buyers. I'm going to get my first carry. I need a Glock. I need a Beretta. I need <laughs> right. this. And I would run them off of that and go, let's see what fits your hand. Yes. Let's see what you can pull the slide back on. Because I'm not going to sell you a Beretta when you cannot operate that gun. I'm not going to sell you a Springfield when you can't operate that gun. But we've got this little Ruger LC380 that you can run just fine. That'll work for you. On that note, I just saw this week, one of my favorite handguns I own is a Ruger LCP2 380. It's a little tiny pocket gun. I wouldn't want to try and shoot a competition with it. They just released the same model in a 22 long rifle, easy pull. I have never had a problem selling someone a 22 long rifle, like a Beretta Bobcat or of the sort, for personal defense. And people are like, why? I'm like, because those are really loud for 22s. Yeah. <laughs> like, against the laws of physics loud. And that's more what I'm worried about. Yes, you're still putting lead down range and you're doing injury to someone, but at the same time, that's going to cause someone else to call the cops because mm -hmm. you can't at that moment in time. Because right. if you were able to call the cops, you wouldn't be firing your gun. Right. Well, right. then you've got reduced recoil of a twenty two. You've got easier uh, manipul manipulation of the firearm. Um most women's hands are a little bit smaller. It's, I, it's I have small that. hands for a it's dude, not, but no, I like you don't. my locks too. I've got small hands for a dude. <laughs> Holy cow, Wait, you are do. you are you saying then that my hands are the biggest hands in the room here? They Well, that's fingernails there, but almost. That's <laughs> Yeah, no, that's no, impressive. But, but here, here's what I wanted to show you. 
there is a big difference between men and women. So if I had a camera, I, I will put this on. But if you look at my hand, how it's very angular between my pointer finger down to my thumb. I hope mine is too because of this it's, conversation. No, it's, it's, it's a men thing. <laughs> it's a men versus women thing. Men have a more angular hand. Yep. Okay. If you look at her, see how it's more pocketed? Yep. That's why women, when they're shooting, they like to, the feel of Beretta, Sig Sauer, and Ruger better. Those guns are designed differently than a Glock where it's very angular on that back, on that back strap. All right. Anyway, everything's a little different, but that's, that's the main thing. Is when you look at a Glock on the back strap, it's a very quartered off. It's more angular yep. here. Whereas on a woman, it's more pocketed. So it's more comfortable on, let's say, a Smith & Wesson M&P, which I don't have mine on me today. i say any other day of the week, I actually would have had a second handgun on me, but I did not carry today because of my frantic leaving the house with dead batteries on the car. But, but that's, that's stuff to look at. And mm-hmm. try different guns out. To your point, go to that range. Go shoot a ton of guns and yes. figure out what works for you. And, and you guys aren't like this, but I, I, and I'm going to make a generalization here, so get mad at me if you want, but I think most here men are like- the emails. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, comments. Um, is they're like, okay, honey, I want you to start carrying here. And they yes. hand them a fire gun, uh, a handgun, firearm, whatever that they have already that they're just like, I want you to have something big, powerful. They're coming from their aspect. And it's like, really? Um, if I see a woman holding a gun that's not shaking and she's, it doesn't matter if it's a little revolver, what it, a little 22 Sig Sauer doesn't matter. That's intimidating. And I think it's, it's beyond that. And this is coming from the guy point of view. There are so many guys, well, I carry a Glock, you should too. I carry a Smith & Wesson, I carry a Springfield. That's what I like, so that's what you're going to like. And I yes. think I think that's kind of that male ego as well. Whereas, you know what, if she wants to carry the pink and purple Beretta, or uh, Ruger, by all means do it. If you want to go get a Sky in baby blue, go ahead. Does that gun function for you is what I'm worried about. And if you can't find it in the color you like, I know somebody that right. could take care of that. My Little yes. Pony. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mike so, does carry the My Little Pew Pew on a regular occasion if anyone wants to take a look at that. I wish I could. I, w- <laughs> I wish that was in my gun safe. Um, you know, when when my wife and I first started dating, she grew up in the household where we have a shotgun in the house. Her parents didn't hunt. uh her brother shot some guns and stuff, but they weren't gun nuts like me. So, but she's like, oh, I'm fine with guns. I said, okay, because I've got a lot of them in my house. And I was a single guy. I had multiple guns placed throughout my house. I had magazines throughout my house. I was at the young stage where I was like, please somebody break into my house. This, I am set for this. Um, in reality, I never want to actually have to squeeze that trigger. That's right. the last thing I want to have to deal with mentally, financially, you know, physically. Just just everything you go through from the minute you pull that trigger to your day in court, you know, because there's very few instances, even if it's a clean, that it mm-hmm. doesn't end up in court. On that note, that's part of too. Oops, sorry. Why? Why I like popping the, the peas? I know. I'm trying the Rory Miller facing violence. He actually breaks down. Okay, now you've defended yourself. Here's what's going to happen. Even if you were in the right, they still have to follow procedure because yeah. they're showing up and there's somebody dead and there's somebody not. Yep. And so you got one side of the story. They they don't know for sure. And that's if you, everything you know, goes So they perfect. have a procedure to follow. Yeah. So yep. don't take offense. Just 
Shush. Keep your mouth shut. Listen. Well, not just that. That's another one that if you are going to be a gun owner, and I will recommend this personally, is get yourself some sort of carry insurance. Yes. Yes. You mentioned that in some of your other episodes. Because it is always a good – because if – the last time when I went through in Texas – your average court cost is north of $150,000. And that's, that's for a good, that's, sh- and that's for a good shoot. That's the, yeah, the police aren't charging you. That's the civil suit after the fact. Exactly. It's about 250000 That's a wrongful death suit. So, you know, be aware that yes, you may not get charged by the police or the DA. His family's, but that coming, family's after coming after you. And you know, if you're filing a countersuit for them raising up such a messed up kid that you had to shoot him, you know, that's on you. But anyway, so, situational awareness, Kelly. Yeah. I, I'm going to kind of combine the situational That's awareness and situational suggest. preparedness because, like we spoke already, it's it's kind of one and the same. You have to be aware and you need to be prepared for the situation you're going into. Before the show, you and I were talking about going into some of these different situations that are going on that you're going to look at things and go, well, I'm not going to put myself in that situation to begin with because, you know, going down and... Right now, we'll just use Minneapolis and the George Floyd, what happened there. You don't want to go down if you're not that type of person that wants to be in the middle of that. That is a higher risk than, let's say, going for a walk in a city park. I'm not trying to play the politics on either side of this mm-hmm. right now. Just a observational fact that that right now is a hot spot in this country. There are many of them in other places. Let's go into Compton and a few other places that have some very bad reputational type places that you don't, if you're not having to go there, you know, maybe it's a place to avoid unless you have business going there. It's not being judgmental. It's just being that situationally aware. And common sense. Well, and too, like, Aware in any situation, you know, my wife had gone into the Walmart uh, a couple weeks back with my daughters. Uh, And it was since everything is broken loose in our country with the racial divide. And there was a security guard that Walmart now has posted there. And the guy was eyeballing my daughters. And at first, it's one thing to look at the kids, but then you look up at the wife or you look up at the mom or the parent. You acknowledge their presence. This guy never did. Uh, my daughter, my, you've met my kids. My daughter stands out. All my kids are very kid. They, they're loud. They're obnoxious. They're great kids, but they stand out. Um, silence is golden. Duct tape is silver. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's a perfect. good one. <laughs> so, you know, and so she walks in the store, doesn't think a whole lot of it. She's leaving. The guy does the same thing, but the intent on his face from my understanding of her story, the the intent was this girl, this little five-year-old's, his focus, never once acknowledged my wife. She was aware, but she's not prepared for that situation. Um, you know, what do you... Obviously, we've talked about the books, the classes, the training, um, but, you know, how do we... How, how do women recognize this and build on that either taking it as fear, as your gut instinct, stuff like that. Um, yeah, and when we had Sharon, we had talked about that story when we were over last week, it's go and report it, go and say something to the management because they had to hire that security officer. And right now they really don't want any other. So it's like, hey, don't send that guy back. You know, those are the type of things because, again, she might not be able to verbalize 
it sounds like she did. He had the, the security officer paid way too much attention, never broke eye contact or never looked away that because again, kids, we all get drawn to kids. We're like, Oh, look at, you know, kids, whatever. They're doing usually it's like, Oh, what a pain in the rear. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. But again, like you said, you acknowledge this, the parent or you acknowledge the adult or you're looking around, not staring. And if someone's staring, that's that too much attention you know, focused attention, paying attention to something. Um, that's part of those body language clusters where you're like, what's going on? Why are you paying so much attention? Those are, those are signs. Anyone, if someone's paying too much attention to you, you need to be aware because either they think, Oh, that looks like my neighbor's cousin's daughter. And when you make eye contact, they'll be like, sorry, didn't mean to stare. Right. Anyone with no ill intent is going to realize and feel bad. They made you uncomfortable. Somebody with ill intent, doesn't care right you just said something that i I like the term your uh, body language clusters where you can you can read what the person's doing or you can see that it's not just one thing it's multiple things they're doing i like that Mm um and going off this that takes me into the the last main point i had and i know we're gonna have more conversation continuing but you know, alternate, alternative, ah, can't, sp- can't talk. <laughs> alternate <today>. methods or <laughs> products for self-defense. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've got, we, we saw your EDC kit. <laughs> um, what do you, what else do you recommend or how do you recommend a female start setting that, that kit together? Mental kit, physical training kit, um, how to think about how they're going to carry out their self-defense. You know, it depends that question, <laughs> right? Um, it depends it, where they're at. And, and this, I don't say this to be self-serving, but I honestly want women who are curious and don't know where to start. Just call me, send me an email. I would be happy to have a conversation because depending where you're at experiences you've had, um, you know, there's the saying that every woman has had three out of four women have had something happen to them in their life, whether that's a sexual assault, an assault, a stalking behavior, something like that. Unfortunately, that's just the odds. That's the percentages um, statistically wise. And so depending on what they've had happen is where their comfort and what they're going to want to focus on and where they're naturally going to say, I need to know how to do this. I had a woman come to me who had been attacked by getting knocked out in the back, in the back of her head. So she literally didn't see it coming. And she is so paranoid. She's got a lot of PTSD from that now because she's like, I, I didn't see it coming. I don't know what I could have done. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. Right. You know? And so it's it's really starting and saying, okay, well, if that's, let's start with that because if we don't address that, then other things might trigger you and you're going to shut down and you won't absorb the information. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, that mental plan, you know, with your wife. Okay, that's the first. There is no way you can mentally prep for every situation. Right. You just can't. You don't know. But you start to practice and you start to do things and, and breaking it down to the foundation of, okay, I'm going to report unusual re- behavior. I'm going to notice. And if I see unusual behavior, I'm going to pick out one characteristic about that person that I remember. If I see a car, I'm going to try and get the make, model, or license plate, or even just the color. Is it four doors? Is it a pickup? Is it an SUV? You know, depending on what... Like for me, I walk in and I saw the 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 car just Bright the door and i was like that's a corvette but right. that's because i'm a car person so i Those understand are the that best we- kind of people <laughs> heck yeah. yeah um so it's it's starting and 
and knowing that as soon as you start trying to be more aware of your surroundings, you might start feeling a little like paranoid. Oh my gosh, I'm slipping into paranoia. I'm constantly, I've got my head on a swivel. I'm always looking around. Well, guess what? That's going to make you look suspicious because you're like looking all around. Um, and, and really understand the difference between fear and worry. Fear is in reaction. Your intuition sends you a fear signal because it's in reaction to something and it has your best interest in mind. The intuition comes from a survival instinct. So if you're getting a, an intuition signal that something's not right, even if you can't consciously realize what it is, somewhere your subconscious has picked something up and it's sending you a message. And so you need to just stop and, and say, okay, what? Okay, I'm, I'm leaving the situation, whatever you need to do. Worry is manufactured. We worry that something's going to happen. We have anxiety because we start thinking about, well, what if this happened? And what if this happened? So being able to really understand Am I getting a fear signal or am I just worried about the unknowns? And so often women, we are great worriers. <laughs> we can worry up and down 24 hours a day about our kids, about so many things and being conscious and saying, okay, that's me manufacturing that in my head. That's not because I woke up. I mean, use the example of you're in bed, you're just about to fall asleep and all of a sudden you hear an odd noise and you're... That's a fear signal. I've only cleared the house twice. <laughs> I I have a story about um, me having to, to be at the top of the stairs with our handgun and a light and calling somebody and saying, or calling out and saying, if you're in my house, get out. I have a handgun. You know, my dog's barking and he never barks. So that's what it was like. Okay. Mine, you know. mine was in Texas and we had a storm roll through and it blew open my front door in my oh. apartment. So I had, you know, the crossed wrist pistol on one yep. handgun. Uh, flashlight and the other clearing the house and I got to the door, saw the door was wide open, my cat staring at me like, what the hell just happened? I shut the door, locked it because I forgot to throw the deadbolt before I went to bed. Not a big thing, but it was one of those adrenaline that adrenaline to get yes. going. And you know, I think to your points with a lot of this is that fear versus you know, intuition you start getting into the really muddy area of if someone does have PTSD. Myself, I hate large crowds. If mm-hmm. there's a large crowd, I'm usually okay if I go to a concert, but if I go to, let's say, even Mall of America, that many people that I don't know moving in all directions around me, I can't stand it. I would rather remove myself from that situation because of some of the stuff I've gone through. Mm-hmm. But I think women get that way, too, with the PTSD thing. My ex that I was telling you about does have PTSD, and she gets the same thing. She just stays home now. She doesn't want to go out. She doesn't want to get into that situation. And I understand it. Mm-hmm. Is she right in that? Well, that's what she's going to counseling for. Right. But there's a lot more to it. It's mm-hmm. it's not just a cut and dry, oh, this is intuition, this is fear. It can be both. It can start melding between and get into that gray area where you really have to start thinking and going, what's it worth? Do you really want to go to this or do you not want to be in this situation? Or is it this is the reason you don't want to be in this situation? You know, which is it? And being able to weigh those options and... It's always that, you know, reward versus consequence or reward versus threat in this case of what's your reward? What are you getting out of it? Okay, how much risk do you want to put in to do that? I went skydiving. That's a high risk reward type thing. Yes, I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane and I will do it again in a heartbeat. What's the reward in skydiving? The biggest adrenaline rush you will ever have in your life that when you hit the ground and the guy goes, do you want to go again? Your automatic thing is, woo! 
Woo! Yeah, let's go. Okay, when you say hit the ground is the term, that might not be the best. Say when you gracefully land. Oh, I didn't gracefully land. We bounced. <laughs> we bounced. He's like, put your legs up. We're coming in too hot. <laughs> oh. I have yet to do skydiving. I actually, it's weird as I've gotten older. I, I used to never say I'd jump out of a good airplane. I'm kind of curious about it now. I love thrill things. I love roller coasters, all that. But So here, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up here real quick for you. You know that feeling in the dream when you're falling? Uh-huh. Think of that for about three seconds, and then you're just hanging out in midair weightless. Oh, because you so finally cool. accelerate. Once you get past that break where you... You accelerate, and once you stop accelerating, you're just there. Yeah. You're not... You don't feel like you're falling. You're just kind of there, looking around. And it's very loud and very windy and very... Every, but you're just there. And then you pop shoot, and that hurts. Uh, if you're a guy, make sure your furniture's all in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I got to jump in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. So I was over the Colorado River overlooking oh, wow. the uh, canyon. Yeah. And there was all the kayakers down on the Colorado. It was absolutely amazing to jump there. And I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I want to jump in Florida now because I jumped from 14,000 feet and I want to jump from 14,000 feet in Florida because I landed at 9,500 feet in Colorado. You want a longer fall. Yes. Yeah. You know, my brother, he's done his... uh jump school now with the uh, army and at 43 he decided it's time to become airborne i'm like eh well okay at 43 i'm like my couch looks fantastic <laughs> so it's very um, comfortable anyway sidetrack there good yeah talk, no sorry. and we'll and you know going back to that fear and and dealing with ptsd that i am not a psychologist i am not a doctor right that is you need to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about who has history with dealing with that the biggest thing is realizing that those are fear and de- and deciding what you want and don't want to do. The whole mission statement of the Diamond Arrow Group is to help women gain confidence so they can live life on their own terms. If you like to travel and nobody wants to go with you so you're a solo traveler, okay, what do you need to think about preparedness ahead of time to do it in the safest way possible? No matter what anyone tells you, don't go to Iraq alone. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's not a vacation spot. No, no. But I mean, it's the desert, the beach, the sand that she likes. <laughs> yeah, no, see, I can find that I, in I'm many so, other I'm places. I'm starting to see the, the problem with this. It's always the desert that causes these problems. Yeah, the desert kind of <laughs> sucks. <laughs> you lose your keys in the desert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rattlesnakes live in the desert. Rattlesnakes, cactus, Scorpions. everything's pokey and it'll kill oh, you see, in Scorpions, the desert. Scorpions don't bother me. Do you know what does bother me? Vinegar runes. What? what never are the... heard of that. You've no. never heard of... They're also called sun scorpions or oh. whipless scorpions. Um, do you know what a camel spider looks oh, like? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the American equivalent of a camel oh, spider. Oh, yuck. They've got the little pincers on the front where they modeled them off of uh, the predator is what that was modeled off of. Yeah, those. Those things creep me out. Yeah. No. See, I grew up with the rattlesnakes, the scorpions. I've been stung by more scorpions than I can count, and I still hate them. <laughs> I, I caught one one day. I thought it was a freaking baby lobster. It was body length. was almost as big as my hand before the tail began. Yeah, see, don't tell me this. Then I'm not moving to, to Texas and warm No, this is Arizona. So. Don't go to Arizona. <laughs> Arizona's... Gila monsters. Gila oh. monsters. They're kind of cool. They um, are cool, but don't get... Don't get latched onto. Yeah, you know, I like tarantulas to watch. I don't want to handle them and stuff. But Hold on, plenty we, we, of them. When there. I was in Vegas, when I lived in Vegas, 
we caught a tarantula, threw it in a can because one of our guys was, I mean, he was six foot four, probably 250, solid muscle, big black guy. We put it in a can because he was terrified of bugs and told him to go count the parts in the can. Oh, that's mean. He opened that it up, screamed mean. like a little girl and ran away. He's like, I'm going to beat you all, you know, kind of thing, yelling at us. We're like, come on back and do it. No, get rid of the tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> We're safe now. No. <laughs> but. So, tell you what, we're going to run this one over time. Uh, we usually stop at about an hour. We, we've we covered a majority of the topics, but I think we're having good conversation here. So I'd like to continue just a little bit longer. Um, no, I wanted, I wanted to carry on a little bit longer because I wanted Kelly to be able to talk about what Diamond Arrows a day with them would look like. Let, let's kind of give your, you know, the website and the company as a whole a promo. Because I, I did look at that you can schedule speaking events with yourself. So you can do groups, you can do individuals a little bit from what I'm c- catching, um, and you do some other training classes. But in a group setting, what are, what's your usual class look like for something like that? So what I had been doing a lot, because again, there is just simply education on what situational awareness is. This is a very tactical term. A lot of OODA loop um, you know, talking about heuristics and proxemics and all of those things. Those are very tactical terms. So women she are like, big what? <laughs> Keep up, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, there's just a big, most women are like situational awareness. If I say women's self-defense, they immediately think the physical piece. And so right. I'm like, okay, it's all the pre-threat awareness. It's things to watch for how you knew something was wrong, but you didn't know what it was, how your intuition works. So really what I was doing so much of right now is just educating on what situational awareness is. So I would do a presentation to a group in a classroom type setting. And it was, okay, here, you know, here's some examples of everyday things that you do. You drive a car, you um, wake up in the morning and you make a mental plan of what you need to accomplish in the day. You have taken classes on communication and how to communicate is a networking event. You know, seven seconds. I don't know if you've heard that rule. Like it takes yep. seven seconds for people to form a first impression. And I say, guess what? The s- criminals take those s- same seven seconds. How you carry yourself walking down the street greatly impacts whether you're seen as a victim or somebody they're just going to, nope, not her. Let her walk by. And so I take those everyday terms break them down and say, okay, this is how it works from the other side. And then I also go down through each of our, our senses. A lot of people would rather lose their sense of hearing than their sense of sight. But I say, guess what? You can hear at night. You can't necessarily see at night. You can hear around corners. You can hear. I use the example of you're in a crowded room and somebody, everyone's talking and you're having a conversation and someone says black market coatings across the room. Like all of a sudden your ears pick that up and say, whoa, whoa, I got to pay attention. Your hearing is so much more in tune. Yes. And I, I play the gorilla sight test. Have you ever seen that on YouTube? Know. Yes. I love that. But I play it every presentation and half the room sees it. Half the room doesn't. And I've done it where after COVID and I was doing, I had a mom and daughter who wanted a presentation. And so they're sitting in front of their laptop. I'm like, there's no way they're not going to see it. Right. I mean, it's right there. It's not up on a projection screen. The mom didn't see it. The daughter did. And so it's, I say, this is why eyewitness testimony isn't always the best. We right. can say, what color was the Corvette? It was blue. Nope, it was orange. And people yeah. argue, it's the color of the dress. Is it white and yep. gold or blue and white? Whatever it was. And so breaking down our senses. And then I talk about your sense of smell. 
you know, we all have very instinctual, we smell something and it reminds us of something. Um, you smell gas and oil. You know, if you smell gas, you know what to do. You can't see it, can't hear it. If you smell a cigarette, you know someone's there, even if you can't see them or can't hear them. And so how all of your senses inform you of your environment. And so, and then I talk about how your subconscious is taking all that information in and that's where heuristics come in and it basically says something's off, you need to pay attention and you get that intuition signal that something's wrong, but you can't figure out what it is. And then I share stories of examples that align with what I'm trying to teach. So they go, yes, that's happened to me before. Now I understand. And, and then we walk through, okay, here's, you know, watching people's hands, their shifty hands. It's a giveaway. If somebody's do the weapon check, making sure their weapon hasn't fallen or it's still, or, right. yes, it's, it's still covered, you yeah. know, or if, um, they've stolen a cassette for those of you listening who even remember those days, right? It's, they're going to keep it, their arm down to make sure it doesn't fall. And they're going to, they're going to do things, those body clusters, natural, unnatural behaviors, dominant, submissive behaviors, you know, interested, uninterested. It's all of these things I break down and I've tried to do it as fast as I can and I get about two hours of that information and I play a lot of videos showcasing this is what happens when. Um, we talk about mental planning, mental prep. You know, it's it's so often our answer to, well, what would you do? Oh, I don't know. Okay. But what would you do? Start thinking. That's not a final answer. I play a video of a woman who looks like she's walking in a transition area walking from parking lot back to her apartment building and a guy comes up from behind her lifts her up he's taller than her so she's can't get her feet her off the ground seven seconds she's unconscious he lays her down grabs her phone and runs and so i play that video and of course women are like <gasps> you know they hear the gasp the collective gasps but i'm like okay what would you do if that was you and they're like i don't know i'm like okay but what would you do like you can't to, to be fair from what my experience of man is that's that's women's normal answer what do you want to eat oh i don't <laughs> Where do you want to go tonight? I don't know. It is, it <laughs> Everyone's laughing. Yes, and that's not a final answer, right? You don't want that to be your final right. answer. Last night I asked my girlfriend, do you want to go fishing with me or not? I don't know. Well, I'm either leaving now or I'm waiting for you. Okay, yeah. I'm um, going to go put Patrick, gas in the boat. that's a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the psychologist <laughs> podcast? <laughs> we'll, we'll have that one coming up soon. Right. But just walking through and I say, okay, you see her feet are off the ground, so she doesn't have a lot of leverage. But guess what? Shins, kneecaps, reaching her thumb back and poking his eyes. You're right there. But guess what? If you spend the first four seconds of that seven seconds going, oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You only have three seconds left to do something. Right. Yep. So, and then I encourage and I go, I'm not victim blaming, but I want you to do this anytime you read a headline, see a story of a woman attacked is I need you to mentally sit down and visual, like mentally go through and be like, okay, if that happened to me, what would I do that mental, because your body can't go where your mind hasn't. And again, it's not, well, she should have done that. She should have done this. It's like, you know what? We don't, we can't judge. We weren't there, but if it happens to you and you already have a mental plan of, I'm going to go for the eyeballs because nobody likes stuff going towards their face. You know, that's if you start, going towards anyone's face even in a non-threatening way people back off but it's again, i've conditioned it's, my son to not flinch when a hand comes towards we're always picking each other i was we'll be driving i'll just throw my hand up right in front of his face 
that kid's solid as a stone now. <laughs> he doesn't budge. Well, and in a situation that was different, it might be. Um, but we also talk about adrenaline. You know, yeah. I, when I was in Atlanta um, and I was taking the Marta, their train, because they were having the Olympic trial um, marathon trials there in downtown. And I need to catch a flight. I'm like, I'll take the Marta in. Wrote it in, and there was a guy, young, late teens, early 20s, who had really odd behavior. And I was like, man, it's 9 a.m. on a Sunday. I don't want to deal with this. But So I resituated in my seat, put my hair up, put my hair stay in my hair, and I started watching him. And I'm like, okay, looking around, where is the emergency stop button? Oh, it's back by where he's being crazy. Okay, he's pacing up and down. Is anyone else paying attention? Nobody else is paying attention right now. And I literally just sat there and I could feel my adrenaline like, oh my goodness, what if I have to stab him? What if I have to do this? What if I have to do this? And it was like, okay, calm down, you know, because otherwise you're going to get tunnel vision and you're going to not be noticing and you won't, you know, but again, if nobody talks about it and says it out loud, then we don't know. We think we're crazy. Am I overreacting? And it's like, no. Yeah. I do a... Not enough, but I do talk to my kids some when we go out. All right. Just so you don't talk to them at home? <laughs> I try not to. Okay. I try to avoid the conversations. No, but you, you, you give them warnings. All right, guys, we're going to go out. Here's where we're going to go. Uh, I need you to stay with me. Stay here. Pay attention. Don't run off in the store. You don't have teenagers, do you? I do. It's 13. Nope, nope, nope. Wait till 15. 16. When that mind mushes into nothing, and you can give them all the instruction in the world, and you'll get, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that started at five. <laughs> oh no, it gets worse though, that's my point. Oh dear. I'm not going to be able to handle that 15, 16. But anyways, you know, we, we I try and set up plans. My kids know I carry. Um, the, the best instance when my son figured out Dad always has a gun on him. We were in a Harbor Freight. I want to say he was four, maybe five. He comes running up to me. Clumsy little kid. Loses bounce. Run heads first into the hand, the uh, butt of my handgun and smacks his head on it. I'm like, ah, oh, grab his head. First thing he yells out as loud as he can and starts, <laughs> Dad, why do you always have a gun on you? <laughs> <laughs> Zip it! Right. So, but you know... I, I tell him, if you guys stay near us, stay here, say this, but I want to take it to the next level and start telling them, all right, pay attention to your surroundings. Let me know if something's concerning you. If I say this, I need you to do this. Right, I was just going to ask, do you have a word that you say? We don't have a word, but I, I want to get to that point. Um, and I used to not. I said, wow, that's that, like you were saying. Now I'm just getting paranoid about things. But in the world we live in today, there's no no room for questioning your paranoia. I think there's, whether you want to call it paranoia, situational awareness, it, it, there's room for it because there's so many unknowns. You know, watching all the videos every day on the internet now. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, news. As trustworthy as news can be, the videos show anybody's going to get attacked from anywhere. And it may be one person you see, and there's ten others coming out from behind cars. You need to be prepared. You need to have an exit plan. And that's what I try and tell my kids. I don't carry a handgun to defend the whole store. I give a crap less about every person in that store. My concern is you three, if my wife's with me, her, I'm less likely to defend myself with my firearm. 
unless it's a get out of dodge situation. But I carry that to protect those four people in my life. And I think that's a big question that I get a lot from moms is how do I keep my kids safe? How do I talk to them about this without freaking them out? That's it's age appropriate. And a lot of times uh, the questions that moms want to know is how can I, you know, the secure dad is another podcast that I enjoy. And he's, he plays a game called count the doors with his kids because they're younger. And so he's just gotten them in a habit of any time they go anywhere. It's like, Oh, how many doors are in here? So they're always looking for exits. Yeah. And and subconsciously they're going to start doing it and always know where the doors are, which is important in right. an active shooter situation. Yeah, um, those are the type of things. And when you t- I want to talk to my kids. I want to talk to my kids. Well, maybe ask them questions like I did. <laughs> and uh, you know, someday this will come back and and people will be like, they said what? But so my boys are eight and seven, and um, I was like, what would you guys ever do if you know mom was. In the shower, some dad's gone and somebody rings the doorbell. Somebody knocks at the door. What would you do? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I go, would you open the door? And they're like, maybe if I recognize them. I'm like, no, never open the door for anyone. Even if you recognize them, that's mo- something mom and dad will do. Now we have a very large dog who makes lots of noise. So most people don't want to come through the door anyway. But, um, another thing I said is, okay, what if somebody breaks the, the glass and is trying to get in? And what, you know, what would you do? And my oldest goes, I'd grab a fork and stab him. And I'm like, okay, well, um, glad that you are that like warrior heart and you are ready to, to protect, but that's not what you need to do. If they're coming in the front door. You need to go out the back door and run to the neighbors as fast as you can. Don't even stop to put on your shoes. And they're like, but I don't want to hurt my foot. And again, kids think differently, yeah, but do. it's that whole just ask them, well, what would you do? What What if somebody tried to get you to come over by their car and said they had candy? And both of my kids were like, we'd run away yelling. And I'm like, what if they had puppies? My youngest was like, well. <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> it's, it's asking them because, again, we know what we mean, right? Right. Kids have such a different perspective. They're like, well, of course I'm not going to talk to a stranger. But guess what? Everyone's a stranger. And right. you're like, be nice to your teachers. Or, well, I trust them. Why do you trust them? Well, because they're an adult. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's not a good enough qualifier. Probably the least trustworthy people on this planet are adults. <laughs> well, that and uh, there's a lot of people in positions that put themselves in those that to have outside access. of that position then try to use that knowledge to gain a trust. But for today, I think we're going to wrap up, Kelly. Mm-hmm. I do want to plug the Diamond Arrow Group. It is the diamondarrowgroup.com on the interwebs. <laughs> Look them up. Book a class, do some online training, request Kelly if you want to, if you've got something going on. Go ahead and get a hold of them. I do want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a great episode. Um, Maybe in a couple episodes or maybe next year or something like that, we'll follow up again and, you know, get some perspective there again and see how things are going in. Yeah, I'm actually um, taking a training next week, um, 500 Rising training that's going in-depth into studying, studying violence and the psychology and a lot of stuff. So I'm super excited to kind of do a deep dive and be able to come back and do more instruction on that. So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Diamond Arrow Group. I'm always posting tips she has and breaking down. Amazing videos she's always posting. Amazing comments and some pretty funny ones too. <laughs> Drunk <laughs> me agrees <laughs> with your uh, vodka my, in the morning. My Friday funny. I yeah. do that every... You got to have a little bit of sense of humor in all of this. When you're studying violence and you know, kind of talking... When you come from these worlds... 
you got to have a little bit of a sense of humor or you would go crazy. So yeah. Police, military, EMS, doctors. Yes. They, they, we have a Funeral twisted, directors. Another one. Funeral directors. Twisted sense of humor. Yes. And sometimes you just have to let it go and just understand that that's just the way life is. Mike, it's been a pleasure again. It has. Thanks. Uh, thank you again, Kelly. I do appreciate your time coming in. This was uh, informative. I hope our guests like it. I hope they give you a like, a follow on all social media. Hope they reach out to you for some training and some advice. That'd be awesome. Also, just for our listeners, we are still looking for sponsors. Um, get a hold of us on the Facebook page. Anything will help us out to keep this going and making it so that we can keep putting out content on a regular basis and you still have access to your old shows because otherwise we're going to have to make a call here soon of, well, that start, one's going to go. Start <laughs> getting rid of the old shows to make room for new. Uh, we would like to keep them all available. I think there's good information. Uh, we have fun doing it. We hope you guys have fun listening to it. And uh, we're going to, our plan right now is to, c- to continue on. Uh, we're going to keep passing information out. Yep. Well, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Again, I am joined with Mike Hall, myself, Patrick Hagemeyer, and our guest today, Kelly Sayer. Y'all have a very good day, and thank you for listening. <laughs>